Greetings, everyone. This is Jim Emmerich. Welcome to the Chointcast, interviews and short stories from across the world that connect us with people who wish to share their stories about leadership, where this passion comes from, and the goodness that results. In episode 25, we meet a next-generation business leader who focuses as much on people as results, Brandon Lark. Starting out in the field as a superintendent and project manager, Brandon was appointed president of Great Southwestern Construction in May of 2014. While a vice president, Brandon launched a broad-based leadership development initiative, which has included working with Academy Leadership. Brandon first attended a three-day leadership excellence course in November 2013 and has subsequently focused on aligning Great Southwestern Construction around a set of common core values as defined by everyone within the company and his own personal leadership philosophy. Welcome everyone to the joint cast today. We've got Brandon Lark, a colleague and a friend, I'd like to say, who I've known for, for several years and we're on a leadership journey together. Uh, welcome welcome to the joint cast. Thank you. I appreciate the opportunity to be on here with you today, Jim. So I have the advantage uh, of knowing you and others don't, but just for fun, before we get started talking about Great Southwestern construction and, and leadership. You've got this affinity for training or hanging out with former special forces military folks. Tell us, tell us how that got started and what that's all about. I think you know, starting at a at a very young age, even growing up, I was I was into a lot of the uh, outdoor activities. <clears throat> Grew up on a on a ranch in northern New Mexico, and also had the the privilege of of living next to the NRA Whittington Center, which is one of the largest shooting ranges in the United States, <clears throat> and kind of got into competitive shooting and, and stuff of that nature. And um, that coupled with just a, a real desire to continually grow and to continually push the boundaries um, personally. And, you know, now in my business career and on the leadership front, it is it has always been very interesting to me the special forces community and how they have learned to really push themselves both mentally and physically beyond what most people even deem as as practical or, or even possible for that matter so it's just it's been a uh, a real journey for me and a, and something that is has been very interesting to me to learn uh, more about these folks that you know they obviously they great service to our country and are, are constantly putting themselves on the line for our well-being but you know learning from them how they are able to push themselves mentally and physically to the levels that they do and you know how can that come back and translate and apply to the rest of us in our normal everyday lives wow that's a great answer you know i didn't i didn't know about the shooting range so that was a there's a little nugget there too so um for those who want to find you Brandon online uh, company webpage. How do how do people find you? Yeah, we have our our company webpage at, at uh, gswc.us, um, and then also I'm on on LinkedIn, which is probably the best way for other folks to get in contact with me. Excellent. And one more one more kind of fun kind of chunk based question. You know, you're the father of an athlete. Certainly, certainly, uh, your daughter through high school. Um, being both the father of an athlete and a company president, what's what's similar about those two roles? Yeah, I think 
the challenges and it's you know athletes or children in general and and folks that work in an organization um, there's a lot of similarities in the fact that uh, you know, you're going to have to deal with with multiple different issues there's going to be challenges and struggles and um, ultimately whether you're a father or a president you're going to wind up wearing many different hats and that being you know one of a coach one of a one of a supporter and and somebody there to to help people out when they're when they're struggling or when they're encountering uh, failures or struggles that they need to get through and then you know really somebody to be there to to cheer them on when they're succeeding and and be proud of them and the accomplishments they've had I think you know the two <clears throat> the two positions really go hand in hand leader in in both arenas one in family and one in business and and really, you know, working hard to, to build the relationships and to build that rapport with with your family and, and your fellow coworkers and those that are helping the business be successful. I tend to agree when when I listen to you when you know we talk about either of those things. Sometimes they come up. I, it always comes to me that you know, over the years that you've just grown into a leader as coach role. You know, in a, in a way to to summarize it, you know, you. Um, expressed an appreciation for for those who have served especially in special forces i've gained an appreciation learning you know about your organization and especially the people inside that you provide us valuable infrastructure and i'm i'm saying that as as a uh, as a citizen as a civilian citizen we provide you know you provide a very valuable infrastructure we wouldn't have electricity without organizations like yours and i think it's worthy of celebrating that when when there's events such as uh, hurricanes, things events such as um, Hurricane Harvey and Hurricane Irma, what does uh, what do the teams at Great Southwestern Construction do to to help support people when stuff like that happens? Yeah, so we do have the we do have a unique role of of being able to transition from you know typical construction company uh, building infrastructure day in and day out to those. You know, more of a of a first responder type role <clears throat> to to restore electrical service to customers whenever there are natural disasters and stuff of that nature that take place. And you know, obviously the hurricanes um, probably get the the most notoriety and the most news on them. But it varies from you know wind storms, ice storms, basically you know any any event that can knock out electrical service our guys will then be uh, requested by the utilities to to help assist them in restoring that power uh, we typically stay within in the realm of what our our current client base is but through the mutual assistance organizations that have been set up in the utility world it's it's not uncommon for us to send folks from say texas to, to florida or the carolinas to help support storms in those areas as well so it's it's very much a, a nationwide response one that's very very heavily organized through the utility organizations and through the, the mutual assistance organizations that have been established in the industry and it's it's really something to see uh, when you start looking at thousands of folks responding to events to help help restore service and power to to the local communities. Definitely a strong sense of uh, service there. And it, it, it's interesting how it, your phone must ring like crazy when there's an event like that where 
where normally no one's no one's going to call probably when everything's just fine, right? It's only when something bad happens. Uh, I'm not sure if you can remember. I'm not sure if I can remember. You know, it's been a number of years since we first talked about uh, leadership courses and how we you know first got connected. I I want you to go back all the way back those years ago to the first time you and your team. I believe we were in a library doing doing a, a first course together. How did you go about developing your first written leadership philosophy? Tell tell the tell the audience what what it's like to do that for the first time. Yeah, I think the the first time it's definitely uh, a bit overwhelming and a bit daunting. Just just when you look at the at the gravity of what you're about to put on paper, you're starting to you know in most cases it's it's summarized on on one sheet of paper and it boils down to to really where where did you come from what do you stand for and and how are you going to how are you going to move into the future and how are you going to lead people and what are what can you what can they expect from you in doing so and uh, when you really think about that just in those terms and you say wow I got to put that all on one sheet of paper and furthermore I probably need to go back and make sure I understand <laughs> what all those values are because I've never really written them down before. Um, it's, it's definitely, it's definitely something that's a struggle. Um, but it's, it's definitely worth it. I think at the, at the end of that course, everybody that attended it as, as well as myself were really impressed with the impact that they had just on us personally there that day, let alone, how that was going to help us communicate our values and and what we stand for uh, to the rest of the organization. I certainly remember during that during those three days together when I I think it was six or seven of you together. It was it was interesting how the importance of safety as a priority uh, in your in your company really emerged maybe as a as a leadership group for the first time where you had to. You realized you all needed to put that as one of the top priorities. That was a, a, one of the takeaways I remember from that session. And speaking, you know, speaking about that, we've, you know, we've talked about values and done workshops, but at a more primitive level, Brandon, how do you think now, having been in, you know, this president role for a number of years, how do you think about values in your organization and the importance of them? You know, I think that the the values are really the the foundation of the organization. They're what you stand for organizationally. And, you know, when we're talking to employees and we're talking to, to the new folks coming on board, and even in those moments where you got to go back and, and coach an existing employee and you're talking about values, the biggest thing that, that we try to hit on and try to make sure that folks understand is the values are there and they're written uh, not for the good days, not for the days when everything's going well and and stuff's going right, but really for those days where you're challenged, where you're in those tough tough spots of what decision do I make. They're really there to be um, a guide and something that you can fall back on when you're struggling. You say, man, I don't know how to make this decision. What And, I, and I'm having a hard time understanding what would be in the best interest of the organization those values and, and some of the, the value statements that we came up to go along with those values really represent um, 
the foundation of the organization and hopefully are there as a guidance for those folks in those times where they're making tough decisions, you know, and, and they're there to help them go about making the correct one for the organization. I want to chat with you about challenges uh, in your industry, but before we do that, uh, tell the audience what Great Southwestern or GSW, we call you for short sometimes, what, tell the audience, what, do you, what, what does your company do in, in a, at a 30,000-foot view? So Great Southwestern Construction is a specialty uh, electrical contractor. We build high-voltage transmission lines, distribution lines, and substations uh, that really support the infrastructure of our utility system across the United States. Um, we do work pretty well across the entire United States. We are a non-union entity, and and we are a subsidiary of of the MYR Group, who is basically a large holding organization that uh, holds several other companies like us. They, they own the Ellie Myers Company, Sturgeon Electric, as well as several other utility-based and commercial industrial-based electrical companies. Okay, well, that, and that's a good snapshot. What are, what are the most challenging issues that you see in this industry? You know, right now, the, the most challenging issue that we're having across the board um, is being able to find quality trade workers and getting folks who, who want to get into the trades, who want to, uh, to go down that, that line of work. I think we've, <clears throat> as a country, we've been, been very focused on making sure we get everybody into college and get them a, a solid college education that, unfortunately, we've kind of got away from supporting the trades. And, and I think we're filling it across the board, but that's definitely one of the largest challenges we're having in the T&D space right now is finding those qualified individuals uh, that want to get out and want to work. And, and, you know, in a lot of cases, there's, there's a lot of travel that can be involved in the, in the job. So getting folks that are into that lifestyle and want to be a trade worker uh, is definitely the largest challenging we're fa- challenge we're facing at the moment. So what would, what would you, what's the ideal candidate for Great Southwestern? You know, someone who, let's say, not just say uh, demographically, not just age, but how about um, temperamentally as well? Who's who's the ideal person you think that would just love to come there? You know, historically, the folks that have probably done the best and succeeded the most are are ones with um, backgrounds out of out of the rural America, out of agricultural type backgrounds and stuff of that nature that are that are looking to to move away from that and get into a trade um, but I you know ideally it's it's somebody who isn't afraid to, to get their hands dirty and work hard and get some enjoyment out of out of being able to accomplish tasks with their hands see the work they've done at the end of the day and and really feel that reward of accomplishment at the end of the day, uh, putting in the effort to, to look out for their brother's keeper, really being a part of a, of a team, and enjoying working outdoors, really. So you've been in a 
how how long have you been in your in your president role at GSW? I've been in this role for five years. Five years. Wow. Okay. I'm dating myself a little bit. Maybe you are too. So with with regard to this this major challenge then about finding the quality of people who really are attracted to the trades, Brandon, what are what are you in, as the president of GSW and a member of the MYR group? What are you doing about that? Well, I think we're changing the way we recruit in a lot of ways. Um, we're really you know, beginning to, I shouldn't say beginning, but we are we are focused very heavily on on recruiting from individuals that are transitioning out of military careers, um, trying to transition back into civilian careers. Uh, we've also started going into high schools and working with with the counselors at, at local high schools and uh, actually high schools and close to our regional offices and stuff throughout the United States and just really starting to show them what some of the opportunities are out there aside from college, going to some of their uh, career days and, and stuff of that nature to help start showing kids in, in high school that there are other options out there. So those are probably two of the major areas. And then from there, developing our own in-house training. Um, we do have three different programs that are accredited by the Department of Labor for apprenticeship programs that basically on-the-job training there is it's kind of split up you do your on-the-job and your your hours training and then there is uh, written curriculum based and hands-on training at training facilities that goes along with that but you are fully employed the entire time you go through the apprenticeship program and that I'm sure that that's come at considerable um, energy and investment for for your organization brand and what's what do you believe's happened to maybe you know in quotes traditional uh, apprenticeship programs in the U.S. over the last couple decades? You know, I think that the biggest issue that we've seen over over the past several decades um, has really started in the in the educational system, and and you know, being a father to to three children, I can understand how that goes, where folks are. You know, you want to you want to put your your children in the best position to succeed, and and for many years, it's been the opinion that the best way you succeed is to go to college and get that college education and come out and, and get the job that requires a college degree, um, and that's largely the options you you've been given, and you're starting you've seen it over the years, especially within the last 20 years, the decline of the votech type programs and in, in local high schools they're getting away from anything vocational based and going strictly to a college preparatorial type curriculum some <clears throat> doing a little research on that i was really surprised with some of the information i found from the bureau of labor statistics and that is that you know, right now, or you know, within the last five years that, that these statistics were in, roughly 68% of students go to college. Out wow. of that, 20, 27% of that 68% that go to college do not ever complete going to college. Wow. So you wind up with roughly 41, if you're just looking at 100 students, you'll wind up with 41 students that actually graduate 
and out of those 41, 37% or 15, 15 out of 100 wind up working in jobs that only needed a high school diploma to begin with. How about that? So it's it's really interesting when you look at it and you look at, you know, really you start boiling it down and looking at the, st the statistics that roughly 20 out of every 100 students actually wind up working after college in an area that, that requires a college degree and are fully employed in some field of study that, that they went to school for, whereas the rest aren't. You know, that partly answers my next question, I think, because when, a, you know, you're, you're a parent, you got kids, I'm a, I'm a parent, we got kids. How, how can parents and kids then think differently about opportunities such as, you know, at GSW or say, you know, MIR group that don't require college? What, what could be a way for them to start that? You know, I think when you look at it, one of the big fallacies out there that the kids and, and even parents alike have is this thought process that if I want to go to college, I've got to do it immediately when I come out of school. Um, if I don't, the chances are I probably never will. And I, you know, I think that's that's for one, that's not true. And for two, you got to really look at some of the opportunities out there. And and I guess in a sense, I'm a perfect example of what can happen if you don't do that. I mean, when you look at me personally, I, I came out of high school and I went into um, went to a community college for an associate's degree and then never really pursued going to the bachelor degree route immediately. I went into work and went into the trades and I wound up ultimately landing at Great Southwestern Construction. Uh, working in the field on on their crews had had the opportunity to move up within the organization and subsequently wound up going back to school getting my bachelor's degree ultimately got my master's degree and the organization paid for me to do that they afforded me those opportunities to do that and I think that's <clears throat> that's something that a lot of people never even consider however I think that's a better route to go in many ways because when I went to school I was also working I was working in the field that was supported by what I was going to school for and it was easy for me to apply what I was learning in school as I was going for my bachelor's degree and I was going for my master's degree it was easy for me to see those direct correlations back to what I was doing day in and day out in my career it made it a lot more meaningful and now I have both the field experience and the education to go along uh, with what I need to be able to accomplish day in and day out in my role. And that's that's a pretty cool story. What better way to get um, sponsored, if you will, you know, to to get some more education? And you already know it's going to be relevant if there's if there's a company that wants you to go get additional education for a specific purpose. You know, that's a lot different than those percentages you were describing from the Department of Labor about how many people actually are using the skills that they ostensibly went to college for. You could really probably move those numbers up with, with your kind of approach. Yeah, and I think that, you know, kind of going back to those numbers, one of the biggest challenges that, that these folks have that go to college 
and you look at the ones who wind up working in jobs that is not related to what they went to college for or, or careers that don't even require a, a college education, most of it boils down to experience. One of the issues that we on the on the employing side of the fence have is when you're looking at folks coming straight out of college, you're wanting to see some sort of work experience there. And there are so many kids that are going to school having never worked a job, coming out of college with this idea that that they're going to be able to step right into a role, into a business role or you know whatever they went to, to school for, they can step right in there having zero work experience whatsoever. And many of them are finding that is the biggest roadblock they have is that lack of experience, the fact that they need to get out, they need to get out in the workforce at an entry level and build up some experience that makes them attractive to future employers. Now, now you kind of gave this personal testimonial, Brandon. Can you sketch out, notionally or otherwise, uh, say, what a possible career path in your company or even industry could look like that doesn't require college yet could be perfectly um, rewarding and fulfilling? Yeah, absolutely. I think... As it, when it really boils down to it, it comes down to how much effort the individual wants to put into improving their career and, and what they really want. I think that individuals who have a deep desire to move into leadership roles and, and learn the business side of of the industry, you know, it's it's pretty unlimited where you can go within the T&D industry and, and within construction in general. Um, you know, I think the biggest thing that, that folks need to have is a real appetite for success and, and willing to get their hands dirty and dig in and do the hard work. That is going to impress more people than any education. And wow. like I said most of the time, if you're willing to put in that effort, and you need the additional education to get there, most, most of those organizations are willing to help you get it. And you're living proof that they will. Absolutely. That's pretty cool. So how do you, how do you feel about all that we hear? You know, this is meant to be, you know, meant, not meant to be a, a you know, political discussion, but how do you feel about all of the recent national focus on job creation that we, you know, that's in the air right now? Oh, I, th- I think it's absolutely important to the well-being of our of our nation. I think that whether you look at the electrical grid and the electrical infrastructure or you look at our highways and other infrastructure within the United States, you'll see there's a definite need um, to upgrade the infrastructure. A lot of urban areas are, are growing substantially, and there's always new construction activities that are going on there and just looking at at the focus on jobs across the board and it's saying construction is construction manufacturing the need to get people back into the trades i think that's probably one of the one of the biggest challenges that we face as a nation and something that we need to figure out how to get behind and solve to where we're keeping more of those jobs and more of those opportunities here locally great well here's a Two more questions, and one will be kind of a playful follow-up, Brandon. But given everything that you've just covered, you know, there's there's some people who are listening to this. They're probably wondering, hey, you know, who is this guy? What is this organization, Great Southwestern? Sounds kind of interesting. 
why should why should someone come work for you? You know, I think one of the one of the biggest assets we have as GSW, or one of the biggest reasons folks should come to work for us is we truly view people as our only asset. Um, like I mentioned, we are owned by a holding company, so you know the biggest thing we affect at our local company level is is the people that are employed by us and that's something we take very seriously you've mentioned the importance on safety a few times throughout the the conversation today and it is it's that's our number one priority i hate to even say it as a value that's a non-negotiable with us that's something that has to happen day in and day out and that's because we want our folks to go home um in the same condition that they showed up to work and it is a dangerous industry there are a lot of hazards out there and it takes a lot of focus and it takes everybody being on board with that for it to happen um, but that extends beyond that that extends to the benefits we offer the education we offer the training that we offer to our folks our overall intent i think it's something that is is felt throughout the organization is our intent is to help people go home better than when they showed up. We want them to help improve their lives, and we want to be able to give them the opportunity to grow in their career as much as they, much as they really want to. Sign me up, okay, Brandon. Uh, anything, anything fun that you're working on, say from a from a professional or personal nature, that that's worth sharing with the audience right now as a last question. Yeah, I think the uh, the biggest the biggest things we're really focusing on it is where we touched on the the challenges, and that's you know, really focusing on new and creative ways to to recruit folks into the into the trade, and you know how can we have a positive impact not only on our organization but industry wide on improving the training that is given to line workers and really increase that appreciation for the work that these guys are doing day in and day out to help ensure when when we go flip the light switch that the lights come on at the end of the day. Well, wonderful. I really appreciate the time, all this time out of your as your busy day, Brandon. And that's Brandon Lark, Great Southwestern Construction, gswc.us, if I got that correctly. Uh, look him up, find him on LinkedIn, and, and see, um, see what they're all about. Thanks again, Brandon. Thank you. Thank you for listening today. If you've enjoyed the Chointcast, a positive iTunes review and kind word to your friends and colleagues would be most appreciated. Make sure to follow us on Twitter, hashtag Choink, C-H-O-I-N-Q-U-E, and visit the bookshelf at www.choink.com. Want to enroll in a Leadership Excellence course? Visit my homepage at www.academyleadership.com slash emmerich. Stay energized.